Turn your Bible to Genesis 27, verse 25. As you're turning there, I just want to give you a quick update. I got to do something this week that I've never gotten to do in my life as a child or an adult. Uh, me and Captain Kirk have something in common. We've both gone where no man's ever gone before. I went to children's camp. And it was, uh, it's where no man has ever gone before. It was a very interesting experience. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know it or not, but inside the cabins, there are thieves. Uh, 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 for real, people that come and steal things all the time. I can't tell you how many times a kid came up to me this week and said, Hey, uh, somebody stole my towel. I can't find my towel. Somebody stole it. You'd say, well, did you look in your suitcase? No. Okay, how about taking the lid off your suitcase and look? There it is. About 10 minutes later, somebody stole my money. I had a dollar right here and somebody stole it. Did you check in your pocket? No. There it is. So I'm happy to report to you, although there are many accusations of stealing, we could not find one actual act that happened. Kids just don't know how else to deal with it, but it was a great time. I want to tell you something, honestly. Uh, I got to room in the cabin with Pastor Joel and, and uh, our entire group of guys that went. And I want to tell you something. Um, take an opportunity to go to him and his team and tell them how grateful you are for them. Because I'm going to tell you what he's doing. They're not just taking care of our children they are ministering to them. I saw them in the heat of the day, late at night, early in the morning, at meal times, in the in the in the bunk, in the cabin, in the rec hall. I, I'm going to tell you, I walked away from there so grateful to be a part of this church and the children here and our kids' pastor and the ministry. What Jason's doing in Thailand, Pastor Joel is doing just back down that hallway, raising up the next leaders that are going to be leading right here where we are now. And it's happening at the same time we're in here. So you get a chance, man, just pat them on the back and say, we're praying for you, we're grateful for you. I'm telling you, we've, we don't have a, a kid's caregiver, we have a kid's pastor. And uh, there's a big difference, and he's doing a great job. And I'm, and I'm glad to be home and dry and not have any lake water on me still and all that stuff. But Genesis 27, we're continuing our series this morning on the blessing. In 1985, a movie blazed across the screen that captured our imagination. It featured a mad scientist and a typical 1980s teenager. If you don't know what a typical 1980s teenager is, if you've ever seen a 1980s teenager typecast, they're the, they're the, they're the 15-year-old that knows more than all the adults in the movie. That's how 1980 teenagers were. He was smarter than all the other adults, and he... He had the ability to drive an aluminum-colored DeLorean with something called a flux capacitor in it that allowed time travel. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think that Back to the Future was so uh, captivating, not because it made time travel real. Other movies had done that. I think it was so captivating because it showed how the past could be connected to the present and connected to the future. In other words, if we could find a way to go back in time, whether consciously or unconsciously, we could figure out how to, how to alter the present and the future. It sort of showed how the past was connected to the future. Well, that's a long time ago. And Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's disease and... Uh, Back to the Future is bygone. One thing hadn't changed, though, our fascination with the future. It seems to be one of those subjects that captures us. From estimations to predictions, 
88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. I don't know if you looked at your calendar. We missed that one. Psychics, palm readers, astrologers, one numbers. We are both excited and afraid by the future. But there seems to be a longing inside all of us for it. As we continue this series this morning on the blessing, we've been talking about those places that relationships are built or revealed around a dinner table, uh, in a restaurant table, in a bedroom, in a living room. There's those places that relationships are developed. Uh, Moms and dads, husbands and wives, children and parents and grandchildren. Relationships are formed. And then there's those transition points, the sickness in the hospital, the birth of a a new child, a a child goes off to college or, or is married. And in those transition points... We get the clearest picture for a, for a closing amount of time on what the relationship actually is. What it's actually become through those times. Now we talked, as we looked in the Old Testament, we've looked at those uh, times when a father would give a blessing to the son. And although we don't have Hebrew culture, and although some of the things may be nuances of, of that time or, or uh, location or culture... There are principles in the blessing that we can pull out and there are relationship principles. The most important relationship issue on earth is the blessing. We can pull those principles out and they apply to any time, in any place, in any culture, in any language. A couple of weeks ago we talked about the blessing is passed on in meaningful touch. Last week we talked about how the blessing is passed on in spoken words. Today I want to share with you how the blessing is passed on through picturing a God-designed future. Now look at Genesis 27, 25. This is the account where Isaac is going to bless Jacob. Genesis 27, 25. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate it, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God... Now here, now look at this. Here's where we're going to move into the blessing as it, as it looks like a God-designed future. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness... And abundance of grain and new wine. We're talking about the future. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Now this blessing came true. Jacob, who was blessed by Isaac, had 12 sons. One of Jacob's sons was Joseph. His son Joseph was exalted to second in command of a foreign nation. And during a time of severe famine in that entire region, Jacob and Joseph and his family and his brothers and children and grandchildren all were able to gather there in that foreign nation and be blessed and survive the famine with plenty because of that blessing that came true. Now, if you're taking notes, picturing a God-designed future is not a prediction. Because you and I don't know the future. Picturing a God-designed future is a statement of belief 
in the God-given value and the potential of the person. If I speak a, a blessing over you, if I share a blessing to you, speak a blessing to you about the future, I don't know the future. But what I do know is that God loves you. What I do know is that God doesn't have bad plans for you. He has good plans for you. What I do know is that God values you. What I do know is that God has gifted you and give you, given you abilities and strengths and talents and giftings. And when I speak a God-designed future over you, I speak that to you. That's, what the bless, that's how the blessings communicated. Now, God is a God of the future. God is forward-looking. If you could take your Bible and you could skim from Genesis to Revelation one of the great themes of Scripture from the beginning to the end, I can tell you what it would be. It would always be about the future. Journey through the Old Testament and you're going to find history pointing to the Messiah. Prophet after prophet, priest, king, prophet, poet, constantly talking about the day is coming. Behold, he will do a new thing like streams in the desert. He is coming. The Messiah is coming. Move into the New Testament. You know what you'll find? You'll find a band of Jesus' disciples after his resurrection waiting for the return of the Messiah. It's looking toward the future. You look at the end of the book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible is a book about the future. Revelations. The entire Christian movement, the kingdom of God, is looking toward the future. Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity into the heart of every person. God is a God of the future. Christians are people of the future. Christianity is forward-looking. Just go ahead and mark this down. When you lose your forward-looking approach to life, you have lost something fundamentally Christian. You're, you're, not, you're not just apathetic or tired or you don't just have a certain personality type or have a different way of view in the world. When you lose your forward-looking outlook, you've lost something Christian. You've lost something that belongs to the kingdom. The freshness of your relationship with God has begun to, to, to drain off. God's message through Jeremiah was what? I know the plans I have for you. They're to give you a future and a hope. Paul said the present suffering does not compare to the future glory. We are people that are looking forward to the day that Jesus returns when we'll be with him. The day when the last chain of the flesh has finally been broken off, when the last battle of our flesh has been won, when we're finally once and all free of the brokenness and decay of the physical world. We're looking toward that day. We're not looking back, we're looking on. If you think about it, the words that have had the greatest impact on your life have mostly been about the future. The words that have driven deep into your soul have mostly been about the future. The words that excite us, the words that frighten us, the thoughts that invoke so much joy, the thoughts that invoke dread have to do with the future. The words that carry the most weight tend to do with the future. Now think about this in a negative way. Some of the things that have been said to you or you have said or you've heard somebody say. Think about how those things sound 
negatively about the future. You better find somebody that will take care of you when you get old. Wow, what does that say about your future? You're so irresponsible, you probably won't ever amount to anything. It's words about your future, isn't it? And that's why they're so damaging. Why do you bother studying so much? You're just going to drop out of school and get married anyway. But think about the power of the blessing when it's delivered in a way to picture a God-designed future. You know, God has given you such a compassionate heart. I wouldn't be surprised if God used you to heal and comfort and, and help a lot of people. Because that's the kind of person, that's what I see inside you. What, what if you took one of those little little ones and you said, you know what, I can't believe that you stayed behind. Everybody else went off to the cafeteria, but you stayed behind here and picked this stuff up and helped me clean the room. You know what, you're such a good helper. I, I, I just believe one day God's going to use that in you. Man, that's a great, great kind of person to be. God's going to use that. You're good with people. Man, I've watched you, how you make people feel comfortable and you make them feel accepted and welcome and at ease. Or You know, you're good with details. Everybody else forgot that, but you remembered we were supposed to do that and that, that helped the whole group. Did you see what you did? It's, it's, to, it's to speak the blessing. It's to speak... It's to speak a God-designed future. If all we hear are words that predict relationship problems and condemnation and cut down, we tend to gravitate toward the kind of future that's spoken to us. We tend to, we tend to become what we believe we are. We begin to believe what people tell us we are. So when you speak a God-designed future into someone, you are blessing them. You're speaking the blessing in them. Think about it. The people, if you'll reflect for a minute, the people that have meant the most to you are the ones that are, that are interested in your future. The ones that have invested themselves in your future are the people looking back over your life that have probably meant the most to you. You say, boy, when, when I needed somebody, they were there. What did they do? They got you to the future. Boy, when I, when I was in this mess, it was what they told me that really helped me through that. It was what they said. When nobody else believed in me, this person believed in me. And now look where I am. What is that? Well, that's the blessing. You know, uh, as I was studying, I came across a rabbi's blessing. So much of the roots of the blessing are in the Old Testament and still function in Orthodox Judaism today. And I found a rabbi's blessing. I want to read it to you. A rabbi would speak this over a child. May this little child grow to manhood. Even he has entered into the covenant, so may he enter into the study of the Torah, into the wedding canopy, and into a life of good deeds. You know, when you, when you picture a God-designed future for someone, and you speak those things... It's like a campfire that draws people out of the cold, dark world and we tend to gravitate in toward the warmth of that future belief, that future hope, that future blessing, that, those future words. And, and we tend to gravitate in toward it. it. We're drawn to the warmth of that understanding. From the time our boys, our boys are 12 and 8 and from the time they, they have been little... I can't tell you how many times I've 
said things over their life, I've tried to be careful to, to talk about their future. To talk about it in a way that would bless them, that would give them hope for it, that would excite them, that would make them think that God, they're so special, God has given them a plan just for them. And to say that to them over and over. I, this is going to sound funny to you, but when I, when I was a kid, it never dawned out on me that I'd ever live anywhere else. I thought I'd just live at my mom and dad's house until I was like 50. Now, they had other plans, but they never told me. And as I got older, it shocked me that I, I, I can remember thinking, I, I won't always be here. So I thought, I'll start my kids out right. So as they've been little... What we've said to them is, you know what? One day, God has a special lady out there, a special little girl that he's preparing. And one day, he's going to bring you two together. and You're going to have a family of your own. And when they do something good, I try to say, you know what? You're going to be such a good husband. You see how that you did that for mommy? That is incredible. You're going to be such a good dad because I saw you do this right here. Pull, pull them in. Stop what you're doing. You're going to be, our oldest sons especially, we've said since he was young, young, God is going to use you to do great things. I don't know what they are, but I'm telling you in my soul, I believe it. God is going to use you to do great things. You have to learn to hear his voice now, even when we've disciplined them. I said, you know, what, you know why it's important that you learn to do what we tell you? Not because you're going to spend the rest of your life doing what we tell you, because you're not. But this is training because one day God's going to tell you to do some really incredible things and you've got to be ready to say yes, no matter what. You've got to be ready to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. You've got to have learned obedience. So when God comes and says it, you'll be ready. Don't miss the great thing God has for you. That's a God-designed future. Share the blessing. How do you picture a God-designed future? Let me give you a couple of practical things. The people that you love, the people that are close to you, do you know where they are emotionally? Do you know where they are emotionally? Do you know what they're feeling? Uh, um, remember when uh, all these high school shootings started in uh, Columbine High School? And, and one of the mysteries that swept the country is, uh, this stuff's been happening in the inner city for years, just nobody cared. But when it happened into a suburb, all of a sudden something's wrong with America. And what happened is, is they tried to figure out, because the profile of a high school kid that would do this, everybody seemed to think was, well, they're from a broken home, the parents were divorced, you know, there was drug abuse, there was, there was uh, poverty, there was this, 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 this. The only problem is the kids at Columbine defied all those statistics. And most of the high school shootings that we tracked after that time, the next few years, all defied almost all of them. Defied those odds. So you look at the kids at Columbine. They're upper, upper middle class, if not upper class. They're wealthy, had everything they needed. Their parents were not divorced. They were married. This kid seemed to have everything going for him. He was not abused in any way. He didn't have any special status to claim on how he'd been a victim of anything. Josh McDowell uh, shared some research that was done on this issue. And you know what they found? They found that there was an emotional disconnection between the father and the son. The dad had no foggy idea where his son was at emotionally. They were strangers. It's not all about the environment. It's not all about 
having everything easy or, or well or, or having the American dream. What the blessing is about is about a connection. The blessing is about a connection that will out-survive all the other things that we think we should have had. The way that you can bless someone is you have to know where they are. What are their dreams? What are, what are, where their are they at emotionally? What are their, their talents? Strengths? What are their, their abilities? Weaknesses? Their interests? Their desires? Their relationship with God? Man, what we've tried to do, our kids, Dr. Dobson says, if you have two kids, they're polar opposite. And we are the poster child family for that. And what we try to do is try to, sh- try to help them celebrate where they're strong. Man, this is how God made you, and this is how God made you, and you're different. And that's great. Look at this. Incredible. And you speak that God, you know, with this kind of, with this kind of man, you're good at math, you're good at science. Man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if God didn't use you to do this. You might be, a, with that bent toward biology, you might be a medical missionary one day. Who knows? Who knows what God, boy, look at this personality. Look how you make people laugh. Who knows what God will do with that? You speak those things to those around you. It doesn't just work with children. Man, you speak this to your spouse. <laughs> I remember when Stacy was going to go teach a, our first women's class at our church in Gulfport, and we went away for a weekend. I bought her a little, little binder or something. Whatever it was, and a, a pen and something, I don't know, some little thing, little girly stuff. Bought us a little girly stuff. So I was going to give it to you, and I and just hoping it was the right thing. And so we went away for the weekend, but you know what? I, I looked at her, and I said, before we go to dinner tonight, I want to tell you something. God is going to use you in such an incredible way. He has given you giftings that you haven't even started to express yet. And I, I got down on my feet and I put my, I, on my knees and I got my hands on her feet. And I, and I said, I want to pray for you. These are the feet that are going to bring the good news. And can I tell you something? When you start to bless people on their future, when you start to say, God's not even done with you yet. He hadn't even got started good. I'm telling you, it ministers in a deep way. So maybe you say, well, well I'm here today and... Uh, Maybe you're a senior adult and you say, what's God's design future for me? Two things. One is legacy. One is legacy. David and Solomon. Elijah and Elisha. Moses and Joshua. Paul and Timothy. Jesus and the disciples. Ron and Suzanne. And now we stand in the place that they stood in. Legacy. It's a special future in that. I I have met families in this church that are down to the third and some fourth generation of family members still serving and ministering in this church. That's legacy. That's a special future. That's a blessing. And then it's the anticipation. Now listen to me for a minute. That your body may be wearing out, but you're drawing closer to a day when your body will never wear out again. Your inheritance cannot be taxed or reduced. You're not going to need health care. You're not going to need a trip to the pharmacy. You're not going to need another doctor's appointment. We all have a future that's safe in God. And we're looking forward to it. Jesus has given a special future. When I was 16 years old, I had an inner sense that God was calling me to, to be a pastor. <laughs> and one night during an altar of prayer time, my 
high school basketball coach's wife was about to pray for me, and she said, I just, I just sense that God wanted me to tell you He's speaking to you, and He wants to say this to you. And, and she said something like this. The Lord says, He created you. He made you. Don't be afraid because I've redeemed you. I've called you your mind. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they'll not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Now that really spoke to me because I was afraid. <laughs> I, I knew God was calling me to ministry, but I was, I was afraid. And I'm telling you, even to this day, when I get discouraged, if I ever wonder, if I ever have a doubt, that is one of the key moments I look back to and say, I know I'm called because of that. I mean, that was a big deal in my life. So the next day, I'm on my way. We had devotions at lunch. And my best friend through high school was going to lead the devotion. And my best friend got up and said, man, I was going to... Uh, share this, but I, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share something different today, so I'm going to share out of Isaiah 43, and I really believe it was God's word for somebody. And so my friend read, but now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you, I've summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It freaked me out. I said, okay, I think I'm starting to get it. You're talking to me. I did, I'd never read the Bible much. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I just thought it was something God was saying to, the, to me through that lady. I didn't know it was actually in the Bible. And that verse has become for me, those verses have become for me a great confirmation for my life since the time I was 16. But listen to this. Two months ago, I was reflecting back on that verse. And God, I saw something God knew that I didn't know. Why do you think it is that at 16, God would have said to me, when you pass through the waters, they'll not overtake you. And it was just years after that, I was standing on a shoreline that took a 37-foot wave from the largest natural disaster America's ever known. Now, you may call that coincidence. But as I look back on it, I say, God knew what I didn't know. God knew the storm that would likely wipe my life out. But he said, don't be afraid. I've called you by name and I'll be with you. Can I tell you, God can speak a blessing about his designed future for you that will stick with you and sustain you and hold you. Would you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed, if you, if you just find a, find a place and get still. We're going to move to prayer now. Sixteen, sixteen years old. 
I thought God was just chasing away my fear about being called to ministry, and He was. But little did I know, I would need to know again later. 23 years after that night, that word still speaks to me. It still holds me. It is a blessing. God has blessed me. He's spoken to me about a future that He has for my life. This morning you're here and you have anxiousness about the future. Your relationship, marriage, children, job, finances, maybe your health. You just, there's something coming in the future. There's something you're having to deal with and you're anxious about it. Can I just tell you this morning, God will not leave you. He will be with you. Do not be afraid. His word over you this morning is do not be afraid. He'll not let the water overtake you. He'll not let the conditions take you. Do not be afraid. He is with you. I'm going to ask our prayer team, our staff, our altar workers to come now. Prepare. You're here today and you say, you know, there's just some stuff in the future. What I want you to do this morning is I want you to connect. I want you to plug in to God's blessing over your life. He has a word to speak to you. He has a blessing to give you. And that blessing will make you strong. And as Clark shared over the offering, it'll make you become a blessing.